Welcome everybody to another episode of our Puget Systems uh, live Q and A show. I think we're dropping the podcast part. We still haven't figured out like a solid uh, name because it's a bit of a mouthful, and I'm going to stumble over <laughs> you're, myself you're if, if we change it again. So, but it's all right. Welcome everybody to our final episode of the year. Um, man, it has been a wild ride, and we're yeah. joined here today by founder and president and all around good guy John Bach, <laughs> the the top of the pyramid here at Puget Systems. Um, I normally would say if, if people don't already know, uh, let's give yourself a little intro and who you are and what you do. Sure. <laughs> yeah. John Buck, founder, owner, president, programmer, janitor. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, anything that I need to be at, at Puget Systems. I've been here 20 years, and so I've I've seen things <laughs> over 20 years. We've had some experiences. I've probably uh, doubled my uh, my professional age in just the last two years. Um, but yeah, boy, we get to the end of every year, the last few years, and we've said, uh, what a crazy year, but yep, what a crazy year. I know, right? Which has been super cool. Um, I have to say, so I've, I've been with the company, this will be my sixth year, uh, if I recall correctly. Nice. And wow, have things changed? Um, mm-hmm. I know I came on right as, as like the solid pivot away from gaming and enthusiast, uh, sort of yeah. systems was like, we're like a hundred percent. We're not. We dropped LEDs. We dropped liquid cooling. We dropped, um, geez, I mean everything. Windowed, windowed cases. Um, heck, we're not even doing ITX stuff anymore. Like, because mm-hmm. um, with that, there's hyper focus on uh, more professional style systems. And yep. wow, has that been? What a, I mean, what a wild ride, especially the last two years, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been pretty cool. So I guess we'll just start right off. How are how are things going with uh, as far as um, let's just from the company standpoint? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, what, how what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> well, oh wait, yeah, I'm supposed to know. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's been um, I think 2020 last year. The word I would use is we survived. You know, you caught through it. And 2021, we rebuild. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this year, boy, you're right. When you think back, you know, to 2016, you're kind of floored at everything that changed. But these last two years, you just look back to the beginning of the year. Like, where did we start this year? We started this year in lockdown. We started this year in extreme supply shortage, which really hasn't oh, yeah. gotten any better. Um, and we started the year personally in, in our business, just like, completely and utterly buried in work um way more demand than we expected it was last november i put out an internal memo to the company of like we are now on emergency plan we're on emergency power wow um, where you know we diverted you know anything that was not essential that needed to be done drop it stop doing it we need to build computers <laughs> mm-hmm. and and because um and then it got worse you know yeah. we went through the year and it got worse and worse um and at one point we were we were at risk of being 1,000 computers underwater in wow. terms of orders that we had in hand, but we didn't have the manpower to complete. Right. And I think the big um, story of the year um, is that we conquered it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we went nuts with overtime. We went nuts with hiring. It was a lot of work. There were a lot of heartache and tears, and man, we had to work hard. Um, but we we conquered it, and uh, feels good to be in that position now. Um, so we're we're back to Hungary. We're back to looking at the future. It's not just about surviving. It's about where do we want to go. Heck, I just had a, a conversation with our our uh, operations manager uh, the last couple hours. I'm like. 
where are we going the next three years, five years, ten years? Because um, it's all guesses that that far out, right? Sure, so sure. You have to know where you're going in order to know what to do this year, and so right. it feels good to be in back in a, like a a building phase of the company. Nice, yeah, yeah, it, uh, and I mean, for my part, yeah, it it definitely feels like we're it feels like we've caught up, and now we can really start to look forward and what do we want to do now yeah not just just scrambling trying to yeah and a lot of it is like this is just that time of year you know we always our cadence is always that we start to get you know reflective in Mm mid-december and uh this is a time where i spend a lot of time i I call just staring at the wall (laughs) wall and thinking about because we have our company meeting next friday and um and so that's when we're going to talk about you know where we're going what we're doing what we're focusing on and none of it's a surprise really internally because we all came up with a plan together at least the pieces in our own own departments but yep cool and uh uh, i'm i'm really proud too that um because it, it comes from the top you know it's you're you're steering the ship as it were and so to know because I imagine behind the scenes, some of our compatriots um, are not are not not to expose anybody, but I always like to think that we're the best. And so I imagine others are maybe not in such a great position or or maybe have had a, a little tougher time of things. And so it feels I'm proud to have had the, the leadership and, and to know that, like, we are in a really, really good spot considering some of what I mean, considering everything that's happened. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to I'm going to. Um a networking group with some other like CEOs in the, in the Puget Sound area. And they called me out a couple of weeks ago. They, they said, you can use the word guilty way too often. Like I feel guilty. I feel guilty that we're doing well. Um, but you know, it does come back to, because there are a lot of companies that are struggling, but it comes mm-hmm. down to planning somewhat. Um, but I mean, yeah, it does. But, but it also comes like, there's no way you can't, you can't plan your way out of a mess like the supply chain issues. It mm-hmm. has to be execution as well. And what I'm proud of is, yeah, okay, we have a direction, but man, the execution I'm seeing across the company, um, it's just absolutely no way this would happen. Uh, we have stellar people um, in the purchasing roles that are getting a set supply, but they couldn't do their job without the reputation building that our labs team is doing. And they couldn't do their job without, um, you know, the work our consultants are doing, nurturing relationships with customers. So like, man, it's all, it all interweaves together and uh, we wouldn't be successful if it weren't for our peers here. So for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think that people miss that part a lot. It's it, like a lot of the, I mean, every time that's part of why we do the show is, is to this behind the scenes stuff that people don't really often realize when they see the end product of things, uh, just all the moving parts that it takes to get it's uh, I've, I've said this before on, on social media and stuff is like, it's not just putting parts in a box. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. A lot. Upset isn't the right word, but man, it, when, when you hear comments like anyone can build a PC, oh man, it's just, there's so much more to it. Oh, there's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, Building the PC is like the last piece. <laughs> um, so yeah, it really is. So I want to grab this question from YouTube. SRO Digital yeah. asks John, uh, since you were last on a few weeks ago, have you seen improvements in the chip-related supply issues, etc.? Yeah, well, that's such a difficult. Everything is different. Uh, so mm-hmm. the supply chain problems is a game of whack-a-mole. We'll we'll conquer some specific shortage, and then we just wait for the next one to pop up. Um, so. Yes, some things have gotten better. I'm not personally aware of any problems with like SSDs or memory chips. I mean, it's still under pressure, but we're doing okay. Um, GPUs, we're doing okay. 
I am far from being solved. And I, this is where I feel guilty saying, okay, because I know the people, you know, the enthusiasts at home building their computer for themselves, they're still having a rough time, yeah. uh, but we're doing okay. We're doing okay on all those. Um, the big story for us in quarter four. And since we last talked um, is Alder Lake launch with Ooh, Intel yeah. uh, 12th gen. Um, I got plenty of CPUs. <laughs> sure. But we need DDR5. We need motherboards. The whole ecosystem has to exist for us to build an Alder Lake PC, and right. that's just been a challenge. We'll mm-hmm. get through it. Well, it'll get better over time. Um, but um, anytime you roll out something that requires new motherboards and new memory and kind of new power supplies, as the 12 volt standard is starting to get traction, Ooh, sure. Um, all those things have to intertwine together, and that rarely goes well when supply isn't a problem right and now supply is a problem so it's going terrible um so, so that's the thing um and then on the other side of the of the pond um with amd and their their uh threadripper cpus those are in pretty pretty stark shortage right now oh snap um but part of the the way that we address those things is when we know that there's problems coming up uh we take in enough inventory to get through to the other side so we're okay mm-hmm. um it takes um, obnoxious amounts of cash flow tied up in, in doing that stuff, but uh, we're yeah we're running. Um, I would say that you know now the problem we have is a lot of companies go into lock. Well, I can't use for a lockdown. They shut down for um, for year end uh, for oh, supply sure. counts and and just like you know giving their staff a break and stuff for the end of the year. Um, so that introduces a wrench in things, and then we're looking ahead to uh, Chinese New Year, which also causes All a lot right. of supply chain issues in industry. So we're probably looking at, you know, spring before things even have a chance to get better. And then we're going to have the underlying supply issues that remain. So SRO, I think the question is, have we seen improvements? Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. We're kind of in the same boat, but the specifics of the supply chain issues we're having are maybe different. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Cool. Um, speaking of DDR5, um yeah. can can you talk about that at all like um yeah. as well, far I mean, as what 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 the public at large should take away from that yeah you know what i'm i'm especially able to talk about it because i don't know any behind the scenes information oh okay um, because uh, it, it, there's a, there's a lot that's been released even publicly about um you know micron saying oh you know demand has exceeded supply but that's kind sure. of the the term that's been given to almost anything recently um i think it just kind of came as a surprise to the industry as a whole, that um, DDR5 was going to be a, uh, as big of a, a demand. Um, until you get pretty close to launch, it's difficult to know how well the Intel launch is going to compete with AMD. And so there's just a lot of people hedging their bets on where they think this, the, the supply is going to go or the demand is going to go. Yeah. And um, when you are in component shortage, you don't take any chances. You build the stuff that you know um, you're going to need because if you over allocate and you build too much DDR5, and then you're going to have some pretty upset DDR4 people. So um, it's just going to take longer. Um, I'm sorry. I've been rambling for so long I forgot your question. Oh, just um, any any insight into the DDR5. And, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, we're here in like mid-year 22. Um, before before they get significantly better, so we've we've done efforts. Um, we're we launched on DDR4, um, and that allows us to start selling the platform with what exists. You know the the right. phrase that I used to say is, you know, we sell the best tool for the job, and that's still true. Mm-hmm. The additional asterisk to that is the best product for the job is the one that exists. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's true whether or not you know you're looking forward to like some launch 
with like a bunch of hype around it three months in the future right or whether you're talking supply chain issues man if you have a job to do and a job to get done go with product that exists yeah um, and so that's what we're doing for now um we were caught off well, off guard isn't right. We were surprised by how uh, DDR5 was a little more important than we thought it was going to be as well. Yeah. Um, and we didn't get the opportunity to test those things because DDR5 didn't exist um, right. to test those things until pretty close to launch. Uh, but on consumer workloads and like gaming workloads and stuff, yeah, DDR4, DDR5 isn't that big a deal. On right. the, the workstation workloads, a little more important. Now, important enough to hold off until you know six months now to purchase? No, probably not. Because again, when you need the tool, you need the tool. Right. Um, but we're looking forward to offering it because uh, because it is a good performance bump. And the motherboard manufacturers are putting a lot more of the exciting features on the DDR5 boards. Oh, uh, so you know more nice. 10 gig and hmm. Thunderbolt and s- slot layouts and stuff that we would want. Um, we're looking look into the DDR5 boards to do that. So we'll launch as soon as humanly possible on that, but um, not until it's ready. Yeah. Right. Well, and that, that is always our motto uh, is we don't, we don't just jump on the, the hype train. We have lifetime tickets on the patient's ferry. Yeah, so. <laughs> we do. And I'm, you know, what? I'm really proud of us because, you know, we say those things, uh, but we feel the pressure. We want to launch oh, yeah. and, we're, and we're excited about it. And so I'm proud of us. Uh, we we held really true to that with Alder Lake. Um, we probably didn't launch for, I don't know, four, six weeks after announcement. Um, so, yeah. 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 No, I, I, I see it a lot, too, um, in the comments on articles and, and social media and stuff about, um, heck, even just on just a, uh, about a month ago or so, um, they were asking, hey, when, when are you guys going to start selling Alder Lake? CPU yeah. like what's going on so um yeah it's just important that we have to know if that it works well and because especially with this one i think it was quite a surprise that alder lake was so much better than amd this time i think yeah. that really took everybody by surprise in our our areas of focus um yeah i know i i was a little shocked amd's been killing it for like the last three years and then they just i love this yeah. this implication of like a leapfrog battle oh totally um, yeah yeah that's yeah it's uh cool it's more work for us <laughs> but we're but it's work we're excited to do because it's for pushing everything forward um yeah. I, and I, I even forgot that the other thing that was all entangled with the alder lake launch was windows 11 oh yeah uh, because the story initially was and it still is technically true. Alder Lake is best on Windows 11. There's scheduler differences and whatever that make better decisions about the performance course and efficiency course. But we were expecting that to be a bigger importance and DDR5 to be a smaller importance. Um, but the Windows 11 ended up being not that big a deal uh, yeah. to performance. And boy, there's still a lot of professional applications that I wouldn't do it. Uh, I mean, I, my laptop's running 11 because all I'm doing is like Google Suite and email and live streams. Uh, but if I was doing, you know, professional work and um, video editing and whatnot, no, I'd stay on 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, I mean, it's like it's like any other major updates. Like you're not going to update Premiere Pro when you're right in the middle of editing a project. That kind of a deal. Um, yeah. Best to let yeah. things shake out for a little while. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it just took us time to do all that testing and discover that information. Yeah. Uh, here, oh, another one from SRO Digital. John Puget, as a business with the class of equipment it supplies, workstations, uh, does it usually have a quiet period or periods during the year, uh, or is demand usually steady throughout the year? It's pretty steady. Um, we used to be pretty seasonal. I'm sure you remember Houston in the mm-hmm. 2016 time uh, when we were doing more consumer PCs and gaming PCs, 
it was nuts in quarter four. Um, that was always when the launches were, um, and then you had we had our holiday sale. It was kind of oh, it was yeah. fun. Uh, we had we had all this craziness we did with the holiday sale, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it all dumped on the production team to like, oh, you got to build you know three hundred computers this week. Um, and that's no joke, by the way. Three hundred computers. No. That is that is a thing. Like that's not just a number out of the air. That <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, but that's less of a thing now. Yes. Um, so we don't have this huge. We we still have a bit of a spike uh, quarter four. Usually mm-hmm. it ties more to like department budgets and whatnot. Um, but we are shockingly consistent through the year. And that's something like, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. What is it? What does that say? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I can't even tell you why it's that consistent, but I'm thankful that it is. Um, and some of it helps that like we're diverse across content creation, engineering, scientific computing. We're still mm-hmm. diverse across consumers, small business and enterprise. And so it all kind of shakes out. Uh, we still have a, a second half of the year that's more heavy than the first, but it's pretty minor compared to like the holiday yeah. uh, consumer time. Yeah. Uh, all right, another one. Uh, Deddy on uh, Twitch yeah. asks, uh, yeah, a frequent viewer, uh, yeah. especially in the past. Uh, a question. Do you guys think the manufacturers um, are outrunning themselves in terms of innovation and such? Interesting. Well, there's definitely more risk of that when you have closer competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's like the the downside of close competition spurring innovation is it also tends to encourage more risk um, to get that uh, performance uh, leadership. Sure. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's out of control, um, but it definitely, uh-oh. Well, you're, you're still good on my side. I know, but I got a, um, I'm almost at a battery warning on my laptop because you should plug in your laptop. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, there's just more. There's just more risk of that, and it therefore um, takes honestly companies like us to just do more testing and mm-hmm. hold true to the the value that if it is not ready, it does not launch. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's one of those things where it gives us a little bit more work to do, but that's why we're here. Yeah. Do you think it, uh, especially with how significant the performance difference is? Um, between Intel and AMD right now, do you feel that that puts, puts pressure on AMD to maybe launch something before it's technically ready? Well, I don't know. I mean, like to find ready. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I guess these are comments that I don't know. Don't take these as comments of like, I have inside knowledge. I think right. we all kind of understand that there's times where there may be a product that a manufacturer has kind of ready in the wings mm-hmm. and is kind of waiting to launch until they see how the other, how the competition shakes out. So I think and sometimes it dictates time frames for when those triggers are pulled. Okay. Um, but I don't know that there's anyone like running into the lab of the scientists and saying like, you got to ship today. I don't care if it's ready. Um, <laughs> it, it more probably comes out on like, is there enough time for the ecosystem to have drivers ready? And how is mm-hmm. the, the BIOS maturity? Um, so all that stuff comes out eventually. And, and all of it, most of the time is fixable afterwards. You do see times, you know, remember back to like the Sandy Bridge SATA flaw mm-hmm. um, that that actually required a hardware fix. Um, but I think that's still pretty rare and far between. And for the most part, firmware fixes and stuff can handle this stuff. What I don't like about our, our industry as a whole, and you see it everywhere from Microsoft to 
uh, motherboard manufacturers is this concept of we'll we'll fix it live. Um, <laughs> it just launched. Find and then look at all the support tickets that come in, and that'll tell us. They, it makes the consumers into the the quality testers, and that yeah. I don't like. Um, and so again, we our intent is to inject ourselves into that role and to be that quality tester. It's kind of challenging for us to do though, because you know we're not going to be putting together hundreds of test machines to see what pops up, and so it's challenging sometimes for us to know what is oh, this one board is broken or there's a design flaw. Um, And so we just have to work really lockstep with the engineering teams at AMD, Intel, NVIDIA, Asus, Gigabyte um, to help come up with those answers. Mm -hmm. It's almost always answerable given enough time. Usually the sacrifice is launch time. Okay, that makes sense. How how much influence would you say we have on um, vendors in that way? Like... Um, you know, say we we get like a test board from Gigabyte with a you know a engineering sample from. Or, well, I feel like engineering sample things aren't as common as they used to be. Like we tend to get production ready samples, and so how much influence do we have on um, component manufacturers in that way? Like, is there a lot of finger pointing? Like, oh no, that's not our problem. That's Intel's problem. Or, uh, and how do we how how do we handle uh, that? Um, I mean, yeah, there's always finger pointing. I. It's probably too self-absorbed to say that like we have too much influence. We have a, we have their ear. We have a voice. We have a seat mm-hmm. at the table. We understand that we're a tiny voice amongst a chorus. Sure. Um, but you know, so a lot of times it's helpful if we can get with other system integrators and speak with one voice. That's where um, it's really useful to be on like board of advisors with Intel because um, oh, okay. we can we can speak with one voice. So, you know, main gears on there and. Uh, origin and cyber power and it's great it's it's actually it's great to work with those guys um and kind of make decisions together and then says oh our intel really needs to understand this uh, but still we can give our advice we can't really dictate what they do sure, um sure. most of the time with like odm with uh, like motherboard manufacturers mm-hmm. it's just you know you're right we're not getting engineering samples as early baked it's a little bit more production quality which means if we say like you need to move this pci slot down like nope too late <laughs> there's oh, just sure. no way um so most of the time our advice isn't about a specific specific thing but saying mm-hmm. in, in general we want 10 gig networking and you know you're making sure they understand that and so we do have an influence we do have an effect it's on the time scale of two to three years so I see. I see. It just takes time to implement those thoughts. That makes sense too, because like, it's it's you can't just call up the factory and say, "Hey, start putting this thing on there." Like they have to yeah. work out. I mean, there's the whole backlogs and stuff in manufacturing and retooling and all that stuff to to consider as well. Sure. So. Yep. Right on. Yeah. Um. This so this is more of a comment, but but kind of leads toward um a, just kind of a thought I had about the whole twelve volt power supply, moving all the connectors to the motherboard sort of thing. Um, Ethelbert Coyote had a few comments. I'm just going to kind of pop them up and read through them. CPUs may yeah. free up uh, a bit this year as CPUs uh, for major players will be on more uh, will be on sure. more different nodes, different facilities in some cases. DDR5 is more complicated. One of the new problems is DDR5 has power regulators on each DIM. The memory production has far more vendors, so power may lag behind. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I wasn't aware of that, but that makes and, total sense. Uh, and then motherboards sadly may be the biggest problem. Uh, so many new chipsets, SKUs, and pressure not to test. What is now the biggest point of failure? Oh, I mean, motherboards have always been the biggest point of failure. 
um, I'm all, just numbers off the top of my head. We we pretty frequently deal with like 0.1 to like 0.025 percent uh, failure rates on like memory and CPUs. Um, if you get into the more fly-by-night memory, <laughs> um, it can get pretty high. We've seen as high as five, ten percent failure rates on memory, but you, you have to get to some pretty like I don't know, like commodity type memory. Um, yeah, like that, I, have a, that. I have a whole spiel on memory. Like <laughs> boring memory is actually very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a reason bare, we use those those green PCB, bare green boring spin. PCB. Yep, because those Works. are like the Mack trucks of of the memory industry. They're stable. They're reliable. As long as you stick with that stuff, uh, we see again like 0.1 percent failure rate. Mm-hmm. And then you get the motherboards. And motherboards are like 15%. Like we're doing great if we have a 5% failure rate motherboard. And the reason why is because anything from, oops, there's a bent pen to, um, you know, the the sound chip is broken or the memory chip or, man, there's just so many things going on on the motherboards. And now, yeah, I mean, we're adding more power connections and stuff to them they're always going to be the biggest point of failure. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news with it is it doesn't it doesn't tend to be stuff that fails later. We catch oh, a true. huge majority of it right here in our facility. Um, but, man, that's the biggest thorn in our side because mm-hmm. uh, it's also then the most difficult thing for us to get replacement for and RMA. And the, the motherboard industry is notorious for returning product to you still broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes a BIOS get... update is not the solution to yes. my broken network port. Yes. Like a bent pen, you can't BIOS flash that away. Yes. But that is an interesting um, point. Like the whole 12 volt on the motherboard thing, that was, yep. what, two years ago, they really started to come like, hey, this is a thing now. But yes. Is it? We're in a stalemate. We're in a stalemate is a thing because, oh. especially during shortage, is mm-hmm. you know everyone wants to make the product that's in demand mm-hmm. so why would you start manufacturing the product that nobody's asking for yet um sure it really requires motherboards and maybe even chassis but you know obviously power supplies to all like turn that key at the same time and that's really challenging to do during supply shortages yeah. um but um yeah we i would predict um maybe not even next upcoming generation in 2022 but 2023 to be the the year of 12 volt mm. okay um, and it's on different timelines for different people like you know dell hp has the capacity to turn that switch a little bit better because they're doing their own manufacturing runs sure we have to try to get a, a whole like ecosystem to align at the same time mm-hmm. um i'm hearing more and more chatter everyone wants it to happen nobody really wants to stick their neck out and be the first one ah. is the way it, the way it feels like to me yeah uh, that makes sense it's, it does feel a bit of a bit of chicken egg though it's like you manufacture what people want but how can anybody want it if there isn't a supply to want yeah yeah well and and, and you know the whole like <laughs> impetus behind the 12 volt um, it's all about um uh, idle power states and oh. energy regulations about uh, like cec um, sure. energy star or what is it in um uh, Europe CE, um, you know, all have increasing power requirements. A lot of them are, are about not so much, you know, what is your computer doing when you're rendering a 4K video? 
Mm-hmm. Everyone is fine with that taking a boatload of power. Sure. Uh, more and more concern is going in about what's the phantom power of all this stuff we have plugged in, all of our wall warts and laptops and phones and, you know, the wireless charging efficiency of our phones. Like, it's taken up a crazy amount of power. Uh-huh. And so that's what the energy regulators are are targeting. And prior to ATX 12 volt, it was just like, man, not even possible to reach the, the regulation limit. So it's it's a move oh, of necessity. Um but the side benefits are it's a dramatic simplification of the power supply. Um, so that should lead to better reliability um, and, frankly, even just lower pricing on the power supply. Cool. But, but we're stacking even more stuff onto the motherboard, which is yeah. already where the most uh, points of failure are. So mm. just even more important, like the days of your $120 motherboard, mm, that's not a place you want to skimp. Go with the go with high-quality motherboard. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's shifting. You don't cheap out on the, on the power supply, so now... It- if it's all good, if all that complicated stuff is going to be on the board, then don't cheap out on your board. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It Oof. just transfers it. Yep. Huh. All right. Neor, or Matrix on YouTube asks, how rare is it for problems like reversed capacitors on Asus Dark Hero boards? Hmm. Interesting. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, although I would say that, like, if something doesn't work here, we don't break out the multimeter yeah. and, you know, test for continuity and that kind of stuff. Uh, we're just like board's broken give me a new one <laughs> yeah um and and send it off we actually are looking to gain that capacity in the company mm-hmm. uh not necessarily to like it would never be time efficient to like i'm gonna desolder a capacitor and fix sure. it um but it's more like if we see a a batch issue or a trend issue and it's just like turning into a huge problem to try to get down to the roots of like what is actually going on um we feel like we have a little bit more growth that we can do in that role yeah that'll be cool yeah oh and i guess it's just helpful all around to be able to better pinpoint uh what actually is going wrong than just like oh this one memory slot isn't working well how come yeah it's it's kind of similar to it's like okay most basic example like if you go back eight years when was it it was uh was it sandy bird's time when they moved the memory controller to be on the cpu um I'm not sure specifically, but I, I I know that that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, prior to that, if you ran your memory test and you, you got errors and you're like, oh, well, I have to replace the memory. I have to replace the board. What else could it be? But now that memory controllers on the CPU, you know, oh, okay, CPU is a suspect as well. So just having that knowledge of the architecture and like that's a basic example, but just knowing that that knowledge allows you to troubleshoot more effectively. And so that's my thought process on like, okay, if we have some more circuit design competency, then, uh, then, uh, how much more effective can we be? Oh, I'm seeing the beard comments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Smith <laughs> undercover is wondering if you will, uh, ever grow a beard like mine. <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed by my kids or my wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping it here. I'm keeping it here. I gotta uh, say that look is 13. great. It was Did super it? good. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. it. It looks good on you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, you mentioned uh, how like Dell, HP, like the big guys kind of have um, it's it's I guess just the muscle to be able to kind of flip these switches. Um, how how do how would I guess because we're we're still kind of a small ish business, but knowing what I know about the internals and stuff, we kind of play we punch up, we punch ab- above our weight class for sure. Yeah. And so. Um, is there any thought, I'm sure, thought, but um, maybe plan or consideration of certain, pro- like, 
yes. we're going to go to Gigabyte and say this is a Puget Systems motherboard or whatever. Fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, but we have to pick and choose when we do that uh, mm. because anytime we go off the reservation and commission something of our own, um, first of all, we have no backup. Um, if that goes into shortage or we don't tie or some customer says I want 300 computers and that throws off all of our forecasts. Well, okay. <laughs> now we're stuck. <laughs> um, so it's really great to be able to go back to the channel and say, okay, everyone has 2000 of these things on the shelf. Just give me 200 more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be deliberate and we have done that in some places. We've done that. Um, uh, we are doing power supplies like, like that. Um, so frankly, from our standpoint, yeah, we could go buy 12 volt power supplies right now. Um, but there isn't enough ecosystem in the motherboard side and we have not chosen to do that. And it'd be a lot more difficult, honestly. Uh, we don't have the capacity to self-design, uh, motherboards. We could work with a, a gigabyte, I'm sure, to try to do that. Um, mm-hmm. we are starting to get our feet under us with what that takes to do a chassis. Sure. And, you know, and that's just, you know, bent metal and, you know, bolts, um, and that's hard enough. And it's taken us a long time. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. we're there. We can do it. We choose not to most of the time because most of the time it's not the most prudent decision. Yeah. Okay. Man, I I have to say I am still very much looking forward to our our custom cases. I know. Um, I know. The whole thing. I mean, they're ready. They're ready. But, you know, then you have all the supply shortages and the cost of aluminum going up. And, you know... We went into 2020 thinking we'll be on lockdown for a couple months and then mm-hmm. come back. And here we are in the same spot. And that's kind of the story of our chassis as well, is it's been the victim of this. How long is this supply thing going to go on? Uh, problem. Yeah. So just so some of the audience may know, um, on some of our social media stuff, there's been some yeah. peaks mm-hmm. peaks at the at the new chassis. Um, so you kind of can get a, a good idea of what we're what we're doing in that space if you check out uh some of our instagram posts and things like that yep. they're, they're there if you see a chassis that like wait a minute i don't remember seeing that on their site yeah because it's, it's not there yet but we're working on it it's cool very cool uh let's see here oh near matrix clarified a little bit uh, uh mm. some, of, some of this comments here the z690 has had reported issue where the label on a capacitor or capacitor or the capacitor itself was reversed got it it's an error okay. of some sort uh people are reporting failures interesting yeah cool okay so it's a known like oops on the production line somebody was putting the things in backwards but it's like a known issue yeah that's crazy yeah we don't we haven't experienced that oh which is nice yeah because capacitors man i remember this was years and years and years ago um dell had a whole run of optiplex machines that had like a 90 percent failure rate on the vrm capacitors it was insane Hmm. and and i think they got a big a big finger wagon from the government or something about it uh yeah that was bad news for the, although a bump in the road for them oh, they care was that around the time <laughs> where like japanese capacitors kind of gained a reputation as being like that's what you want oh that might have been this would have i think this would have been 2010 ish 2008 oh, okay. 2010-ish somewhere around there i could be off a little bit um yeah. but it was like the optiplex 970s or something like that they they were just blowing up left like literally oh yeah yeah. it was messed up uh yeah yeah so um what would you say has been our so both personally and for the company uh big achievement for the year 
I, 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 man, the first thing I think is always just going back to being better than just surviving. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't have a lot of credit I can, I can claim in the production team conquering the queue. Um, I mean, I, I was there cheerleading and I was there building computers occasionally, but, um, I think as a company, that was the big victory of this year. Um, for me personally, mm-hmm. it, it kind of gets into like where we're we going next year. Um, sure. I think the story of our, our company overall for these next few years is we've grown a ton in the last two years and we expect that to continue. And that has been a, a stress on our capability, um, just like organizationally and the experience of our team, the experience of me, you know, every day as we grow, this is a company that I've never led a company this big. And so there's a lot of like personal growth that has to happen in that. And frankly, like a bunch of mistakes and insecurities and all this other stuff too. Um, so I think for me, getting in place a support system and a plan for like what I'm going to do about that, mm-hmm. um, has been one of my own, like, that's what I feel the best about uh, for this next year. And it's scary because like, um, you know, I'll be talking, I can't talk about the company meeting stuff next week, uh, sure. but we're going to be talking about it at the company meeting next week of like, okay, we've experienced a boatload of change over the last two years. And frankly, there's a boatload of change to come in the next next couple of years. So what does that mean? And let's start naming stuff. Let's start demystifying that. Uh, talk about Talk about what that means. But most of it is the fact that like, when you are a 20 person team, um, you know, building some number of computers per year. And now you're a, we're now at 62. Um, and we're doing three or four times what we were doing um, just a couple of years ago. And that's just, those are different problems on a different scale with different competencies needed. And um, I am done with the phase of our history of growing and then reacting to it and then figuring mm-hmm. it out. And we are now going into a position of saying, let's look at what we're going to be 12 months from now, decide what we're going to have to do about that and build it first <laughs> so that when the growth comes, we're not just like buried and not knowing what to do and, yeah. you know, having to respond. Yeah. So getting in control and getting ahead of things is, is my personal biggest nice. um, win for the year. That's, and that had to have been a, a, a challenge. Like, um, I mean, you're going into the dark in a, in a way and, and so where, where does, the the president of of a company like this turn when when you have those sorts of like unknowns like you know we're, just, we're going yeah yeah well i mean it's the same thing i well i had to come to this realization but now that i've made it it's like well why didn't i know that um is that you surround yourself with people that know more than you do about those things mm-hmm. um so it's the same reason why like matt's way better at content creation workload stuff than i am mm-hmm. uh, because that's what he does and he you know he, he invests time in that and and he's great at it he has a good competency for it so and it's that across all parts of our company including leadership um mm-hmm. including financial stuff including um uh, you name it um any piece of it and so i have to let go of the notion that i'm supposed to be the best at all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way. And so my job turns into build the team that is the best at all those things. And then still I have to be like, I almost kind of look at it as like, I'm, I'm supposed to be the little logic engine of, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to take in all these inputs of all the things going on around the company and what's going on in the industry and what Intel is saying and what this market analyst is saying and what my account, you know, what our controller is saying, and then turn it into like, okay, given all those things, we're going to go this way. And so like that turns into my job is Mm. build the team, set a direction, but tell me how to, or ask me how we close our month's financials. Nope. I'm not the best person to ask anymore. I used to be when we were smaller because you could, but when you're bigger now. Yeah. When you were, uh, uh, maybe never, never mind on that. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking. Uh, um, actually, I think, I, I think that was on stream one time. I, uh, I personally, as a joke, uh, I offered to buy a motherboard for a certain number of spicy chicken sandwiches. Oh, yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was fun. Uh, yeah, and that, I, I that was that every time. time <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and has it been tough for you to kind of let go some of these things, or, or is it more of like a relief, like, oh, finally, I don't have to stress about this. I can let somebody else worry about it. Um, I don't know. I guess a little of both. Like, I have yeah. to give myself permission to not be an expert at everything, but then I hold insecurities of, well, if I'm not an expert at everything, how do I know I'm going to make the right decision? And so it does take, you know, trust more people um, mm-hmm. and, you know, listen to the advice and take the advice of the team. Um, know when to like say, I hear you, but we're not doing that. You know, when to buck the trend and when to follow the trend. And, um, you know, like I've, I've been really open with, like there's going to be mistakes all over the place as mm-hmm. we do that. But you have to not let the fear of that stop you from going forward. Um, the big piece that I um, have a problem with is, um, how do I say it in a way that doesn't sound wrong? Like, um, that stuff eats me up. If I make a mistake and lead us down a wrong path and that affects people's lives, mm. oh, that eats me up. Uh, but I have to, um, balance that with the fact that if I don't act, if I don't move, that affects lives even more. Sure. Um, so I have to be okay with stepping forward, even if I make mistakes along the way. I don't know. That's a very really existential question. Uh, but, uh, that's where, that's where I'm at. That's yeah. what I'm working on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't imagine having having to hold that in in your head. Um, kind of feeling responsible for sixty three people, you know. And sure. it's not it, it's a little different when it's just you in your own basement or whatever. And yeah, it's like like a, like being a parent on a big scale, like giant. Yeah. Kind of is, is. but you have to also remember that, like, hey, these are all adults making their own decisions, and so the biggest thing you can do is just uh, be forthright say where you're going. And, and if somebody's not on board with that, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So this, this, uh, there's a couple questions uh, from near matrix that um, I think are kind of more aimed toward me, but I'd love to kind of get your, your insight on it uh, from, from your point of view uh, after Houston uh, streamed PC building, how hard was it to transition to current content and yeah. the current content you guys do on Twitch uh, looks like a better fit for your customer base. How did you figure out how to make those changes? Good questions. Those are very informed questions. Cause I'm sure that was not, that was probably pretty opaque from the mm. public side of like, yes. where'd the build stream go? And then what are we doing? And, and Houston, you were in the epicenter of all that. And I'm sure you could, boy, I don't know. This is a better question for you, but I don't know. I can put some words in your mouth if yeah. you don't mind. No, no, that's okay. Like, and then I can clarify if, if, if needed. Yeah. I'm curious how it looked from your, your perspective. Well, I mean, it was no different than the rest of the transition we were going across the company overall mm-hmm. that we were turning from a tech enthusiast company that were like, it, you know, it's like, it's like being, um, um, hot rod car enthusiasts building building hot rods in our own garage um and and it's very easy to be that kind of company because you can kind of draw off the enthusiasm of people what people like to do personally and you you want to hire people that like i just want to hire people that love to build computers and but what the problem is 
that does not translate to the professional community. And because of that, that professional community was not being serviced, was not being empathized with, and was not, their needs weren't being met. And we wanted to go do that. But the way to do that as a company is to identify with those people and care about them and then be motivated to do that. And so um, I guess it's a roundabout way of saying like that's the exact same thing we did to the stream. The stream was about the computer up front and you know all these things that we personally are excited about and tech enthusiasts for tech enthusiasts which was you know we had tons of viewers and it was going great um Mm -hmm. it just wasn't where we were going as a company and so we had to pivot and we had to absorb ourselves into the workflow work of our customers and that does not come naturally um to be more identified and empathetic with the work of your clients rather than the work of yourself takes mm-hmm. effort. Um, and we had to do that with the, um, with the stream as yeah. well. Yeah. And it was a, it was a painful process. Um, and there was, you know, yeah, it was stressful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and I'd say, I'd say it still is like, we're, um, we're definitely not finished in, in a, in the pivot of our content that, um, whether live or articles or webinars or anything like that. Um, cause it's not, I feel like, it's not work that we do, right? Like we're yeah. as Puget Systems or as individuals, we are not video editors. We're not architects. We're not, you know, other than Don, science guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's been, it has been and still is very tough to um, put ourselves into those shoes and like, well, what is it that you want to see? What do they want to see? What do they want to hear? And how do they want that information presented to them? Um, what's important to a filmmaker when they are looking for a new tool, um, not just cameras, but the tools that we make for them. Um, you know, like we, we can talk all day about, you know, megahertz and, and gigabytes and this and that and, and all this, but is that really important to somebody who is trying to make uh, an animated film in unreal? Yeah. Do they care about the, the nitty gritty or like, what kind of questions are they asking themselves? And, it's hard because those aren't questions we ask ourselves Yep, naturally. Yep. Well, and you were saying before stream, like, so you just had an experience with After Effects crashing on you. Mm-hmm. That's what our customers go through. And so yeah. I am happy to hear is sorry that I'm sorry to take joy in your pain. <laughs> no. uh, but those are the kinds of experiences that help us identify with, with those customers. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to go through them. Um, I've been giving some thought to um, like we're we're as a company continuing to progress. It's a progression. Like oh, yeah. you know, there's there's no finish line here, um, mm-hmm. but we're progressing more towards enterprise type applications over time. So yep. you know we started with um, like even YouTubers now small uh, design studios, and like I want to be a part of more blockbusters in the <laughs> in the next couple of years. That's gonna be fun. Um, but it takes different competencies. It takes you know different ways of thinking. Um, but, you know, I've been giving some thought to like, OK, as a culture, like the way as a company culture, the way that we make sure we're on course and we're doing those things is to make sure that we are empathizing and identifying with those types of customers. So, you know what I'd love to do? I'll say this on stream. I'll say that at the company meeting, too. Um, anytime that we know we're part of some like, you know, Spider-Man came out the other week. We, we rented oh. out the theater for Spider-Man and that was awesome. Um, but, you know, what would be really cool is if we knew that even some small you know, back corner cubicle of the animator team for Spider-Man was on one of our computers. If I know that, I want to rent out a theater when it comes out. And I want to take, you know, joy as a company celebrating that we were a piece of this. Yeah. And like if we're part of a game dev studio and they're launching a new title, I want to buy it 
for for the company and let them take joy in the fact that we were a piece of this. Or like if we knew we'd help design one of the like radio antennas on the James Webb telescope. Um, I want to do a watch party and like watch that thing go up into space and hopefully not blow up. Um, I think those are the types of things that we internally can help align ourselves because frankly, our customers, and I know you're excited about this stuff and I'm excited about this, like our customers do awesome stuff. And most of the time, the problem is we don't even realize it. We're putting this computer together. It goes out somewhere. It's doing amazing things, but we don't often know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was something that hit me early on. Uh, and and um, especially with the with the build streams when we would occasionally have a customer like in the chat or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Just... Uh, really under because when you're building yeah. a pc we, we we get information from the consultants about what the machine is being used for but it's in a in a very general sort of sense like when i see something that says uh you know cryogenic electron microscopy like okay that that sounds cool like that. great <laughs> multi-syllabic words that i don't know whatever but to have the person who's using that machine explain what that is and what they're using that for and to yeah. know and go like i had a hand in that is and and it's super cool what do you do now on these live streams mm-hmm. exactly that yeah yeah so and, uh, yeah that was the genesis of that really mm-hmm. uh it's it I, I i know i've said this before too but it really is true like we are building machines that are changing the world like uh-huh. it, it i don't think it's is quite as obvious maybe even to some of the people who are working here but definitely not externally like i wish i do wish we could talk a lot more about the people that we are serving um and the things that they're doing because it is so cool it is really really exciting stuff that's happening in so many different sectors that um yeah, man, it's really, really cool stuff. <laughs> I'm just thinking that, like, I have to be careful what I promise. Like, if we're part of a self-driving car launch, I'm sorry, we're not getting a car for everyone. <laughs> but we have to find some way of celebrating all that stuff together. Yeah, that would, it would be. Yes, just and I feel like it would make the work um, more real in a sense. Yeah, no, totally. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I went, uh, Matt and I went, uh, he, he, he had to miss the Spider-Man launch because of, they just had a, just had a baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, we went with him and watched it and, uh, we were, we always watched, I, I never watched really the credits until <gasps> after we got into this industry and now oh. I'm just floored. And, uh, so we watched Spider-Man again and you get to like the rotoscoping section. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's so like, like a thousand like people, 60 people rotoscoping. And, uh, both he and I just burst out laughing at the same time. Cause we know how a crappy job that is. And like, that's just like, uh, slave labor work going oh, on there. So you have to appreciate the team and how much it takes. Like. People just click the mouse 10,000 times a day for two years and so appreciate them when you you see those credits. Seriously, for for those of you who don't know what rotoscoping is, imagine having to take frame by frame and and cut something out by hand, like with an exacto knife. One frame at a time. And imagine there are in film 24 frames per second in a two and a half hour movie. How many frames is that? Yep. And if you start to if you start to let your guard down and like start going too quick, then the whole scene looks like junk and you gotta start mm. over. Yeah, go check out Corridor Digital's VFX Artist React series to figure out how cool bad rotoscoping can be and, <laughs> and how much appreciation it really means to the people who do that work it's nuts corridor crew is such a fun channel i do i'll second that go go subscribe on youtube to corridor crew yeah um they had they had adam savage on the other day that was mm-hmm. fun to see um 
yeah, their their VFX artist react series has been phenomenal. Oh man, I've started to notice interesting things in movies I watch now because yeah, of it. yeah, I, yeah, I know it, it's yeah. really cool. I hope it doesn't like ruin it. movies for me. <laughs> Not as much as uh, a buddy of mine took like a film, like art from an arty arts artsy sort of angle, and it, he said like, dude, for like a few years it ruined because I was critiquing films from like a technical standpoint rather than just like enjoying them, and that's rough. I was like, I yeah. don't want that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Ethelbert Coyote on YouTube. Um, I want to hit this this comment, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to do with it, but I'm, I just want to say this out loud. Might I suggest Puget on being the artists and scientists at uh, quote hard, hardware abstraction layer and talk about how to manage workloads, pipelines, and soft skills the software vendors don't cover with hardware. Yes, yes, we're working on it. It's a mm-hmm. big thing to ask for, uh, but we're definitely already the hardware extraction layer. Um, mm-hmm. We do not talk to video editors and say, how many megahertz do you need? Those just conversations don't happen. We right. say, what codecs do you use? What footage do you use? What resolution? Um, and then we say, all right, well, you need this. Um, so it's, it's a very abstracted conversation. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Part of the problem is oh. we can provide the hardware they can provide this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, we can provide the, the hardware. They can buy the software licenses, but they got to set it up right. And they got to have training on how to do it. And that is still a deficiency. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd love to, <laughs> boy, our team will be <laughs> quite faced to know that, I, that, you know, I'm not going to make any promises for it, but I would like to grow our ability to, to help with those workloads because uh, user error or user lack of knowledge is a big piece of the, of the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, actually, I, I know that that's something that's been um, talked about uh, for sure is because we've set ourselves up as a, an authority on these software platforms by doing all the testing and stuff and making sure that the hardware works well. It implies a certain level of expertise on the actual um, mm-hmm. like use of it uh, on a day to day sort of, of style. And I know I've heard from support like... We get these calls of like, hey, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm clicking these buttons and it's not doing what I expected it to do. And, well, it's it's tough because we're really more hardware experts. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah. So And, and yes. we're not the type of company to finger point. So hmm. we'll help as much as we can. We call it out-of-scope support. There's an accurate OOS. There's an accurate reason internally for it because it happens all the time. And it is a pain point for our customers and for us. And I would like to more fundamentally solve that, but it's a progression. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be time. Yeah. Uh, but you look at like, um, you know, articles we've put out. Um, I, I know Matt has an article. I think he's refreshed it a few times on like, what is the best storage setup for premiere? Mm-hmm. One of our biggest hits because we're answering the question of like, all right, you have this like shiny new workstation. How do you set it up? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Actually, to be honest, let me plug something. Sure. We do, we do, frankly, yeah, heck, we do that today, right? Yep. Uh, we have uh, our labs consulting is uh, our current solution is that uh, the same team that does all that testing um, is available for hire um, to help you go through those things. And we do have, uh, basically, we will sell our time to help with that. Um, the problem is that for small studios or individuals, it's just not time, you know, the, the ROI is difficult to justify. Mm-hmm. Um, but you start getting into bigger teams or studios, uh, maybe a, a smaller studio that's looking to, to, you know, climb and grow and just needs help. 
oh yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we have finite resources though. And so we're, we're addressing that by, by, by selling the time today, but yeah, yeah, we can do it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, I wonder if some of that could be, uh, assuaged. I don't never know how to pronounce that right, but, or, or, you know, solved a little bit, um, by having more of our own sort of production, um, content production video or or that that is actually focused on the software stuff i mean i don't expect anybody to start designing buildings or anything like that but uh, occasionally maybe just play around with um you know the softwares that we play that that seem to be the most troublesome um sure. To, sure. to better have an idea of what causes these pain points and how to how to better solve them the challenge is always that like we have 100 ideas and there's just 24 hours in the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, our, our ambition always outpaces our ability to execute. And so we have to end up triaging what we do. And we do a fair amount of that internally. Um, you know, it is the job of the labs team to go learn this stuff, go to, to um, NAB, nice. you know, go to these places where the customers are, learn. Like we go to those places just as much for us uh, oh, to yeah. learn and absorb. Um, come back into the company and then teach. And so we have sessions pretty often with our consulting team, our support team. Uh, I know Ben, uh, support manager, uh, did a has done some things of like put together your own, you know, wacky After Effects logo. Um, and and you know. We're no professionals, but just getting the time into the software is is a learning experience for us. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 it just highlights again some of the things that that aren't obvious when yeah. when when doing this sort of work. Like it, the the goal is is very clear. We want to make the best PCs that we possibly can for the people who do this sort of work, and. Every time, every time there's something else that like, oh, some weird little hiccup or bump. And it's, it's just, it's interesting. <laughs> um, uh, one more, one more question from SRO digital on YouTube. Oh, uh, questions. Yeah. John, uh, when you have a high end customer come to Puget for a new system, but their work is restricted, uh, does that type of customer provide you with a machine spec as opposed to Matt testing it? Uh, both. Um, so we go two different routes. Uh, we will, I mean, we don't require you to divulge what you're doing in order to buy a PC. So if you say, I know my specs, I need them, uh, we'll, se we'll sell it. Uh, we don't like it because mistakes are often made um, in those scenarios. Uh, but especially when we're working like government or education, um, you know, uh, universities, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty good about knowing what it is they want and, <laughs> and not being upset if they told us the wrong thing and, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have the hardware knowledge they thought they needed or they thought they had. Um, but that, that can happen. Uh, but also, again, going back to our labs consulting services, one of the things we offer is, oh, yeah, I mean, send us your send us your file. We'll sign an NDA. Um, if, if you have the capability of letting, you know, that IP come into our possession to do that testing, oh, we'll do it and we'll do it and we don't have to publish it publicly. Um, so we can help design that solution. And we do both. Um, it's probably more often that we'll take the spec um, and build what they want, uh, mostly because there's a lot of privacy concerns about letting go of that stuff but uh, we're willing to be creative and and that is happening yeah i like i like some of the things that we've um like i know we, i don't want to talk specifics exactly but i know some of the things that we have done for certain clients um that aren't necessarily available to just anybody um and that's it's it's been pretty neat um because i do think that those sorts of it's like if okay if these guys are asking for it how many how many potentials yeah. 
didn't ask that would have benefited? You know, and that type of thing is also what makes scientific computing more difficult for us mm. because, you know, we can say Photoshop needs this. And, you know, that's a lot more. And even that's complicated enough, right? Because it depends on your files and your filters and whatever. But scientific is like totally new ground almost every time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what do, if you're programming something in Python, what hardware do you need? <laughs> I don't know. So it's your, you have to like either you know, show you the code or we have to just kind of take some educated guesses or, you know, it's probably some synergy of like, we'll give you the hardware that we know is very capable, mm -hmm. but you might have to tune your code to, you know, to that hardware. Yeah. 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 Especially I'm, man, it, it, there's so many interesting things going on, especially like the crossover with, um, has, I, I caught myself from saying AI because I know that that's not a very appropriate term for a lot of it. It's not intelligent by any means. It is a very speci specially designed bit of code that does one thing really, really well. Uh, machine learning. Uh, sure. this, these crossovers, uh, a lot of a lot. There's so much work being done in machine learning that then uh, informs content creation. Like sure. content aware sure. fill or rotoscope yep. too, right? You just auto boop and cuts it out for you. Um, the cool like Photoshop filters, the neural link stuff that they're doing is uh wow. Yeah. And and it's gotta be tough. It has to be. Cause like you said, there's so many so many different use cases and every yeah. every single one of them is different from the other. The nice thing is like when it once it becomes a product. So once you mm. use machine learning to do content aware fill in Photoshop, well, now we can benchmark it. Right. So at that point, you can start to quantify the hardware. Uh, the difficulty is often on the development side mm -hmm. um, when they're like, you know, they're, they're building some stuff from scratch. Um, it is fun, though. I mean, we do a lot of developer workstations, developer workstations for scientific or for game dev. In fact, we're going to be. Um, you know, growing our presence in the game dev community in this next year. And that, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, but those, those computers are always a little bit more wild west um, game dev, a little bit less so because you just, you want a gaming PC, but that is also capable of like, you know, running visual studio or whatever they're, they're coding in. Um, but yeah, scientific is always, is always the most challenging one. And, and what a cool frontier. Like it's been a thing for, for like a, big thing for a few years now but it's still it's still so new so many cool new applications that people are doing with stuff and um i'm just constantly excited and everything's bright and shiny <laughs> and new yeah. <laughs> so yeah. cool um all right so uh, we are a little bit over our hour i don't want to take up too much time of your too yeah, much more of your time um what, what what are you looking forward to in the next year we'll we'll end there what are, what are the what are you excited about for the company or products or anything uh, I, I'm just excited for, uh, we see a lot of potential coming up in the future. Uh, we think we're going to grow just as much next year as we did this year. And um, I think kind of just our overall attitude is being not like, oh, crap, how are we going to keep up? To being like, no, we got this, bring it on. Um, nice. So that's our attitude going into 2022. Bring it um, on. So, yeah, bring it on. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, and there's going to be lots of unknowns and there's, there's going to be, you know, mistakes we'll have to navigate around. But uh I'm really looking forward to it. And there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, that's for sure. Intel GPUs. Woo. <laughs> and Intel GPUs. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm excited about. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, John, for, for taking time out of your day. I know this, I mean, you're a very busy man. you got a big company to run. So I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah. 
Thank you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, just and I'll do my normal outro. Thank you as well to the audience for joining us today. We do this every week, just most most every week, like ninety nine percent of the weeks. Uh, Wednesdays, one p.m. Pacific, where we bring in uh, internal experts like John or Matt or Don uh, to talk about the crossover of hardware and software and how we can best service you and how you do your work, uh, as well as external experts. Like uh, last week, we had Noah Kadner, super cool mm-hmm. virtual production expert guy, uh, to to again just provide a bit of a peek behind the curtain for the nor- the average customer audience member. Um, yeah, just to get you guys an idea of what the, what really goes on to make the things that you consume happen. So um, do mark your calendars. Uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, right here, YouTube, Twitch. And um, this, will, this is our final episode for the year. So, um, yeah, we'll see you all later. Thanks. See you next year. Bye. Thanks for joining. <laughs>